Thank you for downloading this sermon from Grace Presbyterian Church. Grace is a church where people seeking more grace, more depth, and more community can start finding their way and sharing their gifts with the world. You can follow us online at graceforsufalls.org. The passage that I've chosen this evening comes from Hebrews chapter 12. You'll remember this passage if you were with us a year or two ago when I preached through the book of Hebrews. You get through to chapter 12, you feel like you've accomplished something. The, the writing becomes beautiful. The ideas become incredible and, and, and the truths nearly inexpressible. And this is one of those things. This is a concluding thought uh, at the end of a great chapter. The author of Hebrews says, Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Ordinarily, if you were going to this passage uh, in isolation, the words that would jump out would be reverence and awe, and this might be a passage where we could talk about how we should worship, the spirit in which we should worship. And we will talk about worship, but there's something else that I think the passage helps us bring into focus, and it's the idea of gratitude. Honestly, when I think about historical mysteries, one of the ones that's always puzzled me, uh, the behavior of, of figures in the past, I've always had a hard time understanding Martin Luther's decision to become a monk. And this is a guy who um, becomes a great reformer, but long before that, there's this bizarre episode in his life, and people tell it like a conversion story, but, but I, I never quite understood the logic of it. If you don't know the story, it's something that happens to Luther in 1505, so quite a while before he posts his 95 Theses onto the Wittenberg church door. In July of 1505, he was coming back from school, from the university, he gets caught in a storm, and there's lightning striking all around him, and he's terrified of the thought that he's going to be uh, consumed. He's going to be killed. And looking back, when he tells the story, there's this moment of, of, of fear, but exhilaration, because he's not being killed, because he is living, and he cries out these, these words, Saint Anne, I will become a monk. He makes this resolution. And, and to me, that's problematic on so many levels because you're, you're like the founder of the Protestant Reformation and in your darkest moment, you cry out to St. Anne. Uh, as a Protestant, he should have known. He didn't need another uh, mediator between God and man except for Christ. But he calls out to St. Anne and he makes this resolution to enter the monastery, to become an Augustinian monk. And uh, wow, when I think about what that must be like, to go through a moment like that where literally he's, he's in fear of his life and then to be spared and so exhilarated as a result that he's willing to commit himself to the life of a monk, that must have been quite a moment. If you think about it, just a moment earlier, before he gets trapped in this storm, he takes his life for granted, as most of us do. We don't go through life moment by moment thinking I'm so happy that I'm alive. It, it's so much better than being dead. It's not the way that we think. And yet suddenly, in just a moment, everything changes. Because of the circumstances, he's very conscious of the fact 
that he's alive because he came close to not being. And in that moment, in the spirit of that sudden consciousness, out of gratitude, he's now willing to give up his life as a gift to God. And I don't think he's alone. You hear a lot of people tell stories like this. Not always, I was afraid of being struck by lightning, so I decided to become a monk. But, but near-death experiences, right? You, you suddenly find yourself in an unexpected tangle, a, a bit of danger, and you realize what could have just happened. Maybe as you're driving along and you run a red light, but you catch just the tail end, and it feels perfectly legal to you, and then another car comes and almost swipes you, and you realize, I could be dead right now. And you feel differently. You feel uh, grateful to be alive. Maybe before preoccupied with worries, you weren't that grateful merely to be alive. But suddenly, when you see the alternative, you feel differently. Why is it that so many important decisions are made under circumstances like this? You're taking something for granted. You're going through life not thinking about, not conscious of the value, not noticing what it is. And then some brush with death or with loss, and suddenly you're aware. Not only aware, but determined. Determined to live. To not waste the gift that you have. That's how I feel when I have these little scrapes. I'm conscious that I've made a mistake. It could have cost so much, but it didn't. Suddenly, I'm excited. Like, I feel grateful, and I, I, I want to now live differently. I don't want to make stupid choices, make foolish mistakes like I did before. I had this experience not too long ago, earlier this year. Uh, some of you know this story, but uh, earlier in the year, Lori had to endure not just one, but two surgeries back-to-back, and it was very traumatic for me to have to witness all of that pain. Uh, I was preaching, but because she was recovering from her first surgery, she couldn't be at church. And when I'm preaching, I turn off my phone because you don't want to get calls in the middle of a sermon. It looks bad. And what I forgotten to do was turn it back on. And so what I didn't know was that as I was chit-chatting with people at church, Lori was writhing in pain on the floor at home, desperately trying to call me and uh, actually ended up texting Hannah and and uh, she was desperate and, and letting everybody know what a bad husband she had. But fortunately, I, I got there and I got her to the emergency room. And that second time around, as she was in so much pain, I suddenly had a realization. Ten years ago, when we moved into our house, I told Lori we would renovate the kitchen later. And we never did. And I had lots of good reasons for not doing it, lots of excuses. But as I saw her there suffering, something changed, and I thought, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. It's, it's not right that I've made these excuses, that I've you know, prolonged things. I was anxious about what this decision meant, but it was made in a moment. And I realized, I'm, I'm going to do this, or, or I'm going to let her do it, honestly, uh, is how that worked out. In the spring, I asked for you to pray at the beginning of that process because I was terrified of the whole thing. It all worked out. It was, it was wonderful. I don't understand why I thought the way that I did. But it took a crisis and a moment of gratitude to change that sense of priority. Now, I'm not saying um, renovating a kitchen and becoming a monk are on an equal <laughs> level. Obviously, a new kitchen is a lot better than having to become a monk. 
if you think about it. But but it's that similar way that that life changes your priorities, right? Reorders, steamrolls, your excuses. It's not just that when you go through something like that, you emerge with a determination to live. Like I've been taking life for granted, now I'm going to live life to the fullest. It's something else as well. There's there's a desire not just to live, but to do something important, something meaningful with your life, not to waste it. A sense of purpose can emerge out of moments like this. Gratitude leads to a determination to live, but also a desire to devote life to something that matters. Sunday, I preached about the idea that the kingdom of Christ is a kingdom devoted to worship. It's a kingdom devoted to worship. As we've been going through the book of Acts, talking about the kingdom of God, this to me is kind of a a culmination of everything that went before. That the, The thing that this kingdom is about, the thing the church does, is worship. And now in Hebrews 12, in this passage we've looked at, we're given the ground that worship stands on. Like, what is the source? If, if, if worship is the river, what is the source from which it flows? Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. It doesn't say, let us worship. Says, let us be grateful, and thus let us worship. Right? You see the connection, the foundation for worship, that devotion to worship is, is the ground, the soil of gratitude. Gratitude is hard. There's a reason why we set aside a holiday to remind ourselves to be thankful. It's because we go through life mostly not being. Because we're mostly not conscious, not aware of the reasons that we have to feel grateful. We are self-absorbed and and we're proud. And it's hard to live life constantly being reminded of all the people you owe things to. How you should be so grateful to everybody else. It'd be nice for people to be grateful to you once in a while. And so it's hard for us to get outside of that. And when we do, We're encouraged to be thankful, but the kind of thankfulness, the things for which we're thankful, if you think about it, are changeable things. If you see someone looking glum over Thanksgiving dinner and you say something like, remember all the things you have to be thankful for, and you start making a list, all of the things that you're listing are going to be changeable things. They're going to be circumstances of life, stuff that waxes and wanes, health and wealth and comfort, peace and love. These are all wonderful things to have, and there are also things you can lose, things that aren't necessarily uh, the case for everyone. So be thankful for those things. Be thankful to have them because not everybody does, and because you could lose them. Be grateful that, that you have them while you have them. Don't waste them. Fear of losing them actually makes us grateful for them. Right? And the stories that, that uh, we've reflected on, Luther's and, and, and my own, that's, that's the common theme. It's fear of loss that leads to gratitude. But worship comes from gratitude for something you cannot lose, for something that cannot be shaken. I don't think I was ever more grateful for my wife than when I had to face the prospect of losing her. 
but my gratitude for salvation like yours is based precisely on the fact that I cannot lose it. That's different. What we're being pointed towards, the kind of gratitude we're being encouraged to have is a different kind of gratitude. Not in the changeable things, not in in the waxing and waning of fortune or luck or even providence. Be grateful for something that is unshakable, something that is unchanging. The second commandment declares that we serve a jealous God, a jealous God. Here, the author of Hebrews says he is a consuming fire. Last week, when I was in Colorado, I had the pleasure of teaching Flannery O'Connor's short story, Parker's Back. She has a description in that story of Christ. She describes his gaze, and she, she says he has all demanding eyes. All demanding eyes. But, but the quote that I like best is actually Abraham Kuyper's, when he's talking about the relationship of Jesus to the world that was made through him. He says, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. He's unwilling to part with any of it. He claims ownership of all of it in that hand that he says nothing can be taken out of. If that's true, if the kingdom that you've received is Christ's, how unshakable must it be? How unchangeable must it be if it comes from a God like this? If it's Christ who loves you and gave himself for you, how can you possibly lose what he's given you by grace? So as the author of Hebrews says, you have received a kingdom that cannot be shaken. So come to God with reverence and awe. What do we do when we worship Christ? All of our worship in summary form is just expressing our gratitude. Expressing our gratitude, our profound gratitude. And yet, it is the most inadequate gratitude. As gratitude always is when it comes from someone who cannot possibly value the thing that he's grateful for adequately. So be grateful for the good things in life. Be grateful for life itself. Be grateful for all the changeable shakeable blessings that people are going to remind you of over and over again. It's good. Be grateful for those things. But whether you have a list of them that is a mile long or you struggle to think of one that you're truly grateful for, none of that ultimately matters. One thing matters. Let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us offer worship to him in reverence and awe. Thank you for listening. You can find more sermons from Grace and information about joining us for worship by visiting our website at graceforsufalls.org. We also invite you to visit the iTunes store and subscribe to the Sermons of Grace podcast.